0: Old man
1: doing a podcast.
0: Real weirdos, we have English degrees. Real weirdos, we talk about movies for way too goddamn long. Welcome back to the Real Weirdos Podcast, where one and a half white men with English degrees talk about movies for way too goddamn long. Today, we're talking about Crimes of the Future, the new film from director David Cronenberg. He's back, baby. If y'all don't know Cronenberg, he got his start making many, many films that pioneered the genre of what is now known as body horror. Uh, Notable examples from him would be The Brood, Scanners... My personal favorite, Videodrome, which we actually did an episode on, like, a year ago? Something like that?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, And of course, The Fly. Classic The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, This is an interesting one, and one I was excited to talk about, because for the last, like, 20 or so years, Cronenberg has just explored other areas of filmmaking. Mostly, like, different kinds of dramas starring Viggo Mortensen. And Crimes of the Future is his return to body horror. And Vigo, Vigo's back. Yeah. It's nice to see him in a Cronenberg movie once again.
1: Yeah, Vigo is like I don't know, every time I see him in a movie or something like that, I always get kind of excited cuz I I trust him as an artist and I trust his talent enough t- to choose like good projects. So, I was excited about this one for sure.
0: Yeah, I couldn't remember the last thing I saw him in. It might have actually been like Cronenberg's last movie or the the last movie he did with Cronenberg rather which was like a dangerous method in 2011 where he played either like Freud or Carl Jung I can't quite remember okay I remember Keira Knightley was in it and it was like about these psychological techniques obviously I think they put her in like a box I nice. can't remember Nice. <laughs> in any event if you if you are listening to this and you have not seen the movie, I will give a quick synopsis to the best of my abilities. 3 2 1. It's the future and everything huh. looks kind of the same but dingier and humans are evolving in weird ways. They're no longer getting sick, they don't feel pain. Some of them are developing never before seen organs and things like that. And the film follows Viggo Mortensen and Léa Seydoux uh, they play a pair of performance artists whose art is the tattooing and removal of weird internal organs that Vigo grows between their performances. hmm Okay, so that's weird. And then from that rabbit hole, we enter a fucked-up wonderland that deals with themes that include, but are not limited to, transhumanism, the nature in question of art... The sexualization of visually explicit penetrative surgery, environmentalism, and Kristen Stewart getting hot in the loins. Yeah. And that's, that's as broad as I can make this movie without saying spoilers. So spoilers. But before we go into any more detail, Alexander Abear, my cohort, what did you think of Crimes of the Future?
1: Um, It was okay it didn't blow me away. Uh, it was very like flat. I I never felt like there was any urgency in the film or like rising action, falling action, anything like that. Um, maybe flat is the wrong word here. It was very quiet, like tonally. Um, it didn't change a lot. Like there wasn't raised voices. There wasn't music telling me, you know, how to feel and stuff like that. Um, it was very original, I thought, in the sense that obviously everything you just described is like, a it was a crazy, crazy plot. Um, hard to pin down exactly what was going on in certain points. All the performances were really good. And I actually really liked the dingy, futuristic-like vibe that Cronenberg gave it. And some of the like props were really, really cool and just really <laughs> interesting.
0: Like the, the fucking chairs that they the sit chairs, in or the, and the beds. The Sarka
1: bed thing. The like the all, furniture that, yeah. All of flesh that like furniture. reminded me of David Lynch's Dune a little bit. But it also reminded me of, I don't know, something like, what is that? H.R. Geiger? Oh yeah,
0: Geiger and his like designs for Alien. Yeah. Like the like original Alien.
1: Stuff that looked mechanical but was also organic. Right, like has skin yeah. and flesh, and
0: it's a lot of bioorganism stuff going on in here. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you call it? Biomechanical, I guess.
1: I think bioorganism is actually better because biomechanical is like we have inserted mechanical machines inside of a biological creature unit. Well, this,
0: but this is like the opposite, where it's like a chair or a bed made of flesh. Yeah, that they they like they have those two weird ladies who come in and. Like, calibrate it and salivate yeah. over it and stuff. And you're like, what the hell? That was an element of implied storytelling that I actually really liked. Like, uh, you can make a whole movie about why, like, what the hell is going on with these beds and, like, the eating yeah, chairs. I know. <laughs> and it's just such a weird, it's such a weird Cronenberg-y thing. Right? Where you're just like, what the fuck? It's like, just, like, one element.
1: We had to make it sci-fi but make it fleshy, right? So like in The Fly, there's a good separation between what is human, organic, and what is a machine. The machine that Jeff Goldblum walks into is metal. It's shaped all uniform. You know it's a machine, right? That, I mean, the machine and the, the living are not the themes of this film, but much like in Titan. You have this then like weird blending of machine and like human identity. And in Crimes of the Future, the line that I was just talking about in the fly is like totally gone. Cause you have mechanical machines, but they have organic they're like made out of organic material, right? Yeah,
0: they're like little bug things that like the 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 instrument that they use to do the surgeries that we see in explicit detail. Mm-hmm. Or like, did you see Naked Lunch? He did the Naked Lunch movie. Yes. Yeah. So like the typewriters in that, how they're actually like these living beings. hmm it, it was re- reminiscent of that. It's very reminiscent of, of just things that Cronenberg has done in many ways. So as, as a fan, as somebody who's seen all those old Cronenberg movies multiple times, it was really cool to see him go back to that sort of aesthetic and i i liked this movie but i thought it was incredibly frustrating um and i can sort of explain that by going into some of the points you made about it feeling kind of listless Mm -hmm. and uniform um one of the points here that's important to get out of the way i think is that this was all shot in basically one warehouse it was a i mean it's pretty clearly cut a pandemic project I didn't yeah. read that, but you can pretty much tell. Um, it's supposedly the future, but you're basically just have like one set, pretty much. That's once you know it's the same warehouse, you can pretty s- you can pretty much see it. It's like everything just has this like dingy industrial atmosphere, and there's really no s- transformation of that. Mm-hmm. But then also, yeah, it's like the movie takes on all these different themes that it's trying to work with and really has trouble following through with any of them. Would you agree with that? And also, like, like what oh, are yeah. the themes here? You know, no, like, what okay, you, so Like
1: what is this movie about? That's That's the <laughs> crazy part. And that was what was frustrating to me, in a sense, because it was like, they would introduce all of these things, but then they wouldn't go into them. And I don't think it was laziness. There, there are films we've watched where it's just outright laziness and they're just not good at story craft, right? To get the theme across. This seemed a little different. Something was going on here that like, okay, so there's the sense of in, like in all sci-fi when you have androids that start to pop up, right? You have this otherness aspect. You're like, okay, we are the real humans. You are the weird modified next evolutionary step of humans. So there's that. Yeah,
0: theme. very Deus Ex. Yeah.
1: Then there's the theme of there's large either government entities or entities that you cannot see that are moving chess pieces across the board to try and you know further their goals. Some of them don't want these new evolutionary beings to exist. Some mm-hmm. of them do want this to this organic, natural evolutionary process to occur. Okay, so then it's like okay, you have that theme. <laughs> And then you have the theme just of sex, of penetration, of invading or or not invading, but being welcomed into someone else's physical body. What well, is invasive?
0: It's it very is. sexual. If if you think about it, you can make surgery very sexual because it is invasive. Exactly. And it brings up this weird question of like in my in my scattered synopsis there I brought in the element where people don't get sick anymore and they don't feel pain. It's weird. And I was thinking about that in terms of like, those are really pain is like a really deep part of feeling in general. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering what that does to your pleasure centers, if there if you no longer feel pain. It's like do you have to go to the next level to do that? Physical it's pain, like, it, right? Yeah, humans don't feel pain. Is that linked to pleasure? Is that why people are turning to cutting and surgery as the new sex? And is Cronenberg commenting on something? Like, apropos overstimulation? It becomes cluttered, right? The, yeah. the thematic center of this movie is rife with ideas. But there's almost too many for it to like coalesce into something. Like, with Videodrome, I could say, okay that is about x it's about what the media you consume become you become it right long it's live pretty the flesh, cut and baby. dry long yeah. live the new flesh yeah. yeah whereas this one it's like oh, uh, there's just a lot there's a this lot one going is, on is
1: similar though in the sense where it's like you have a group that is basically carrying that torch of long live the new flesh right it's like that's all oh, i right. can think of like everything is fleshy all I'm seeing is James Woods screaming at the top of his lungs like a maniac about this. But I'm thinking like, long live the new flesh. It's like that was that little kid at the beginning of the movie, right? He is the new flesh of humanity. And Vigo.
0: Yeah. Exactly. At the end. In the, in the exactly. sort of... Exactly. And his... Maybe Vigo's is would like
1: go. a little more... Hmm. Vigo's is interesting, for sure. Um, the, the, the theme... There's like another added theme to all of that, right? Where it's just like this weird theme about humanity and identity and the limits that we'll go to to fight against death, right? I love the little... I think that was the biggest theme for me in the film. Was so this Can like, you
0: explore that? What do you mean, fight s- against death?
1: So the staving off of death, right? The, these like chairs that help people eat. And I'm like, why? Why do they? Why do these people need these chairs? Right? Is it because their bodies are like decaying? But with with Vigo's case, he does these surgeries because he grows these like extra organs that aren't needed, right? Yeah. But he's also in a very like dilapidated state physically. He's not like healthy, right? And he has a uh, conversation with Lang, I believe is his name, the father. Of the the child at the beginning and the mm-hmm. the like de facto leader of that cell, the underground evolutionary cell. Um, yeah, yeah. He talks to them, talks to him, and he's just like, he's like, do you ever feel like you're just like putting off the inevitable, or you're like not going to be able to partake in like the beautiful natural organic process that is death? And like, so when he says that at the very end of the film, I always think, I'm like, is Vigo? dying is he happy because he's dying or is he happy because he's like oh I oh can
0: eat this. i can eat you're the talking forbidden about chocolate. his epiphanous moment where yeah. i think it's i think lang had an intuition because he he proffers the candy bar to him earlier mm-hmm. and I, I it doesn't make sense that he would want to kill him at that moment at all because he's still under the impression that They will do this surgery on his dead child, and the world will see that there are these new humans Mm -hmm. who can essentially eat plastic. Yeah, you know, (laughs) this whole idea of that's where the environmentalism thing comes in, where it's like where we are able to consume our own waste product as a society. (laughs) You're like, wow, there's another, just another layer here. But yeah, no, my my reading of that, my reading of that was that he's been growing these organs all along and that he is the new flesh as well as that kid got it like he's growing them in order to be what all these guys did surgery to be uh, enable uh, in, enable them to eat plastics and whatever poisons you know that's just my reading though i d- i don't know i mean it's a weird movie man
1: it is and you brought up a point about cronenberg and like what was it that he was trying to say right my when we watched a movie like The Matrix, the fourth one, it was yeah. pretty clear and quite obvious what um, she was Wachowski. trying to say, right? Yeah. What Wachowski was trying to get through. Now, here with Cronenberg, I'm like, are you saying something about like technology? Are you saying something about everyone having the smartphone and the, the earbuds and the Bluetooth and the just the TikTok? And like, are you just making a overall blanket statement about that? Like, and I couldn't tell if he is. I don't know where he sits on the fence on any of these themes or issues that he brings up. It's really, really interesting and it's really muddled the way that this futuristic dystopian almost society works. I don't quite know what is illegal and what is legal and what, like, is looked down upon or frowned upon. I just, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it's difficult when... Well draw back to the whole pandemic project, right? Obviously he couldn't have like sprawling I don't know scenes with lots of characters, so it'd be mm-hmm. harder to especially with the budget. I'm sure like major studios were not gonna <laughs> fucking sanction this script and give him millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Cause this is a movie for weirdos. This is not a movie that's gonna make money. But but I but I had that same question. I was like, what is the world? Like what's the context? Yeah. And it's it's difficult because the movie already starts out on on weird footing. I, it took me a long time to understand what was happening. Like characters would just start having a conversation about things I didn't understand yet, and then it would move on. And like I, w- I felt like I was playing catch up for quite a long time. Uh-huh. And, and simultaneously, there isn't a whole lot of energy to things.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like the camera's locked down. Some of the shots are very flat. Color and
1: palette's pretty much the same.
0: Color palette is very muted throughout. And it's just kind of dingy and depressing. But, I mean, it, it definitely grew on me as it went along. By the end, I thought it was incredibly interesting, even if I didn't know exactly what I thought of it.
1: It's hard because in a vacuum on its own. This film is pretty good. I mean, it's made very well, and it's different and original and unique enough to, like, pique my interest, right? But then when I place it in the context like I do most of the time when I consume art and make connections to either the real world around me, my own environment, my own current temperament, you know? It lacks some type of fibrous connection to any of that. I can't, I can't, like... I can't contextualize the themes in this movie and the things that are happening in this movie to real life. Not yet. Mm. I haven't been able to think about this movie long enough to do so. But <laughs>
0: yeah, it, you watched it today.
1: Yeah, I did. I, I did. I finished it. I about, watched
0: it last night and then today I was like sitting at my desk trying to make notes and I was like I need to run through it again. Cuz it was so muddled and that helped. <clears throat> I sort of I watched like the first half. Again, or I watched like scenes from the first half. I would skip through scenes that were pretty obvious, like I knew what the context was. Mm -hmm. And then I would go through other ones, and that helped me sort of pin down, especially where character motivations were. Yeah. Because the movie gets really weird in terms of like who is working for who.
1: Who wants to fuck who? I know.
0: Who wants to fuck? Well, dude, everyone wants to fuck Vigo.
1: Well, Kristen Obviously. Stewart and Vigo. She pretty much phoned that one in, right? I mean, not her acting, but just like the characters. Like, okay, you want to fuck Vigo and that some was weird signposted.
0: Way. Yeah, um, but uh, as soon as you n- understand that there are two sort of opposing organizations, right? There's mm-hmm. the underground resistance who want to turn people into plastic eaters. Yeah, and then there's the government who is composed of like one black detective and i guess the two i guess Kristen stewart and what's his face from and her the organ her sidekick yeah registry I, yeah they're part of they're part of that i didn't realize that the first watch i i it was noted in some line of dialogue early on which i saw in the second watch and then i'm guessing that those two mechanic girls the mechanic ladies are part of the government as well because they
1: kill, like, non-government agents. They work for the company that makes the, the machines. And it's quite clear that the, the company is, like, in cahoots with the government agency that doesn't want any of this to happen, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, we're getting really deep into this, but the point is, like, all of these, like, weird connections on top of all of the thematic connections create a mess. It is, yeah. Like the movie's a mess. It's a fascinating mess. It has really interesting ideas, good performances, fucking wild scenes.-hmm. We, we'll get into that, but I don't, I don't know. I, I guess'm I'm, I'm in two minds about it, right? Because I want a movie to be coherent. I do. But at the same time, it's also really refreshing when a movie just has tons of ideas and sort of splays them out. Mhm. And no matter how like weird it is, it kicks in with my English major, like nerd nerdiness. Oh where yeah. I'm like, "Oh, cool. I get to dig into this and try to like figure it out and look at all these themes." And like I mean, I I understand why this doesn't have a very good user score. Oh it's, yeah. It's a uh, I saw that. It's very slow. It's going to weird a lot of people out. People might think it's stupid or obtuse, but it's so interesting. I and think the fact that it has a lower user score than Uncharted is well, fucking miserable. I mean, <laughs>
1: I could expect that. <laughs>
0: you could expect that, but I'll yeah. never cease to be disappointed.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because it is fun to suss out the meaning of literature, right? It's fun to be able to pull out all of these little threads and try and see, like, where did they start? Where do they end? How are they twisted with each other? But I think that every once in a while when I run across a really good short story or poem or book or movie or TV show that does this in any form of literature medium, there's this sense that it, like, is so well It's close-ended, right? I don't know if that's not the right word, but it's like, it's a finished, polished product. cohesive. I I can close the book, put it on the shelf, and when I see the spine and the title, I can still suss out and pull out all of these different themes, but then still tell you exactly what the story is about, right? And then I can start giving my own interpretation of the story. This feels much more like a literature-heavy exercise almost like a worksheet or something where it was just like read this paragraph read this thing about the jabberwocky <laughs> tell us what it's about right and i don't think that's bad i just like i'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole movie and trying to find the the like byline that goes through the entire thing which i agree with you isn't necessary but i like it's just i think it's 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 subtle that's like mass. That's craft work of, of movies and films. When you can, you know, do something like that, but then make it all one cohesive unit. I think of Twelve Monkeys, um, the the Dick's movie we watched, the Philip K. Dick movie, uh, Scanner Darkly. Oh, and
0: when you said Dick movie, I just thought of the sausage fingers and uh, everything everywhere. Oh my all god, at once. Right, the hot dog
1: fucking hands. <laughs> uh, that movie as well, though right
0: uh, scanner darkly you're talking about though. yeah but but yeah.
1: everything everywhere all at once yeah, as well like these... <laughs> huge thematic movements in each of those pieces and each of those films but still relatively cohesive that i could tell yeah. such a story donnie darko is much the same way donnie it gets weird yeah. and it gets There's a
0: lot of examples
1: yeah so this one i just am like what's what is it lacking here right because the performances are great well,
0: yeah, I think it's it's having maybe a central sort of theme that overrides a lot of the others, and that like you can sort of pull something from a little more easily. Like mm-hmm. I personally have a lot of time for movies that are messy but have a lot of artistry and ideas, even if they're not totally coherent, because that's just what I like. Um, but I can recognize like if somebody did not like this movie at all, I would completely understand it seemed but more
1: coherent visually and superficially though
0: it's uh <sighs> sorry <laughs> no no i'm no you're not interrupting me you didn't interrupt me i'm just trying to figure it out like i watched this one and a half times and i'm still trying to figure out figure it out it's like a Valhalla. hard movie to say that i liked i think it's just super interesting it has all these all these ideas in it but like we keep saying they don't really some of them cohere better than others. It's just too much. Yeah. It's almost it's like overflowing a little bit. You could have made leaking. this a series and had it like, move through these sort of abstractions
1: and these you know, ideas. That's actually a really good point because then it would add, it would take away that, that listlessness you were talking about. Because like you could end episodes of them finding out certain things about, you know, like, oh, well... You didn't realize that this little boy was organically created like this, or something. You know, just like all of these little checkpoints that should have been there for emotional just umph and gusto, not to manipulate the way that I felt about the movie, just to let me know what was happening in the story would have been nice, right? Yeah. Like Valhalla Rising like... <laughs> is is piecemeal and it's broken apart, but it's cohesive. But it feels right and same with same with like the lighthouse or the Vitch or you know antichrist even
0: yeah. um,
1: and all of other and a lot of the other cronenberg movies we've talked about like totally there's a very solid main theme and i think you hit the nail on the head here with the main theme right it's like pick one that is going to be the strongest and that will stand above the others you can then make it related to the other themes but I don't know. I wanted to say it was overflowing of themes, but it doesn't even yeah. feel like an overflowing. It's more like a leaking.
0: I don't know. It's a leaking, uh, just a little too many a little too many drinks in the punch. You're like, hmm, that flavor is a little yeah. like, overdone. <laughs> yeah. And it's also it's also overplotted. And it's over plotted and under characterized. Right? Mm-hmm. You have you have like revelations of people working for who and then like people getting killed. But you don't care too much because (laughs) characterologically, it's pretty flat. Like, I really liked, oh God, what's her name? Um, Leia Sedu's character. I thought she was the most interesting and relatable and sort of well fleshed out. Mm -hmm. Vigo, I like Vigo. I like every performance he's pretty much ever done. But who is the character of Saul Tensor?
1: I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, it's like he's a renowned. Performance artist, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And in a movie like Pig, I was like, they sold him being an ex like Michelin star chef so well, right? He had that aura to him, and there was that implied storytelling. But with Vigo and his little black like cloak thing and his mask, Dude, I was he just, sounded like he
0: sounded like The Witcher too.
1: He sounded I, he like uh, Geralt. I was, I was like, what is going on here? What is? What is his deal other than he's sick? But I agree. Caprice, much more of a like fleshed out and deep character. But I love what you said about like people getting fired or killed or you find out that they're working for a certain organization. And it just kind of I want to say because I might just be too dumb. It just went over my head. A lot of like what was supposed to probably be like gut punches in the plot were just like, oh, I missed that. I didn't. See, I didn't know that that was. Important. I had this
0: thought: is I thought it, this as well too, man. I, 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 it ended, and I was like, Am, "Is this movie too smart for me or not?" Yeah, <laughs> I was really frustrated by this question, and I think it was just, I, I, I could see all the things it was doing, in the second watch in terms of like the narrative. The thematics are a whole other situation. Mm-hmm. But I saw it, but it's just like I didn't. I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot to latch on to character wise. And I was so busy trying to process all these other things that the movie was doing that adding these like narrative left turns mm-hmm. one after another in the second half was like two turns ahead of me when I was still like grappling with other things. Oh, yeah, it's, sure. it's definitely overdone. And underdone.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's undercooked. It's an
0: undercooked movie, if I can put it that way. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. That's a good All point. All the elements
0: right? are there. They're just, it's not quite done yet.
1: I know. Like, it, it It did feel like when it ended, it didn't feel too long or too, like, time-wise, it felt okay. But it almost felt, like, too short because I was like, wait, I'm still unpackaging. Like, I'm still unfolding some of the stuff. The stuff that you just hit me with and like you're ending it. I don't know. It was like I thought Kristen Stewart's character was going to re- meet like a really gruesome, maybe not end, but I thought something really like. Oh, like she'd
0: go or, down the rabbit hole yeah. like James Wood's girlfriend in yes. Videodrome.
1: Just like she seemed so unhinged. And I was like, this character is ready to pop, right? Like th- this something's going to happen with her character and it never really did. Same with the other guy, her doctor friend, or the, the other dude she yeah, worked with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. like nervous at the beginning and all cagey about, you know, losing his job and his career. And then he went into some weird, like, obsessive thing where they all he, do. Yeah, they couldn't stop going to the shows.
0: Everybody starts. I keep saying down the rabbit hole, but I, I really like the phrase in this context. Oh, it's true because they all go into the fucked up Wonderland, and they all get like sucked into this like sexualization and erotization, eroticization, erotic, eroticizing. Yeah, fucking fucking I don't words. Know. I words too many syllables. They all get sucked into this like s- this eros that is yeah. like, it's like, like a voyeurism voyeurism yeah they want to participate and get in the sark bed it's like you have like and they all just go down they'll go down but then they don't there's no payoff to that really yeah there's a payoff to the the, the sort of overarching narrative of like the plastic eaters kind of uh, depending on how you look at the ending and like when Vigo eats it uh, mm-hmm. but in terms of like character wise there's no satisfying arcs.
1: Yeah, like Vigo seems like he's the most stable character, even though he is wildly crazy of a performance artist, right? He gets like operated on and everything because he doesn't quote unquote. F- well, he does feel pain, so I don't, I don't know what's going on with that one. But, some
0: people do, some people don't. <laughs> yeah, like it's weird. Cause he's I'm part thinking- of the. He's part of the. What do they call it? What do they call that agency? That. Uh, NVU no, the the new vice
1: unit NOR, the National Organ Registry. No, the vice unit. Yeah, the NVU. Yeah,
0: he's like he's part of that ostensibly because he doesn't like what's happening to his body, which is a very undercooked like way of explaining why he's like selling out his friends. Yeah, and then I'm like, who is this character
1: when he has that revelation with the black detective? Right, and he's like, "I'm not helping you anymore." <laughs> I was like, "Why were you helping them in the first place?" Yeah, like, what <laughs> exactly. were you getting out of this? Like, I don't understand. I I don't know. But the the scenes of the surgery reminded me a lot of uh, like you see the old drawings from like Scotland and like 1850s. You know, and all the doctors are like studying. They're all sitting in that like room, the like mini coliseum type room all staring down at someone getting like operated on. Yeah. In this movie, it was like that, but instead of doctors, it was like the cream of the crop of this new elegant dystopian society, right?
0: It's it, like a goth club, but yeah. like upscale. They had like yeah. In terms of the clientele, I don't know. Yeah, we can move on to that. I mean characterologically and thematically and narratively, the movie is an interesting mess. Yeah, it, it has it has a lot of interesting things. I I recommend watching it if you like weird movies, if you like Cronenberg, if you're okay with the movie being messy but you know well handled in some areas. I mean Cronenberg is Cronenberg. He's been doing this for like fifty years, mm-hmm. and great performances, good scenes, just a lot of interesting stuff that doesn't cohere. I recommend it. But we can move on to the explicit part of the show. Holy shit, man. Uh were were you uncomfortable at any time? Or are you too uh are you too desensitized now?
1: No, there was definitely the moment I feel that creeped me out the most for some reason was when Caprice goes on yeah. her own to another art exhibit. And this woman there, this other artist presumably that she like knows is like cutting into her face, right? Or getting her face cut into. And then there's another scene where like the partygoers are like trying it out for themselves. And this woman has this like half moon uh, scalpel type thing and it's just grinding into the top of her hand. Oh, the foot? Into oh, the, the foot—that's foot? what it was. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a like a, yeah, like a pizza cutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what you call it. It doesn't um, roll clinically, but but, but it's extremely uh, sharp, right? And you can dude, see her even just the like,
1: second time watching that, I was like, oh god. Yeah, and then for some reason, the conversation that she had with Caprice, the other artist, with all those cuts on her face, yeah, it just disgusted the fuck out of me, and I can't tell you why. And it felt weird. I was like, "Holy shit! Is this me being like super Western world? You know, just like that's disgusting. Who would do that to their face?" And then it made me think for a second, like, is he saying something about? I don't want to go too far down this hole, right? I have yeah. Like, I don't. I don't want to assume that Cronenberg has any opinion about this issue whatsoever. But it it, w- it brought up the interesting topic of you know, transgender rights and the transgender, like civil rights evolution and movement that we're having right now in society. Like there are some people who look at it as like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you destroy your organic body? Right. And in Vigo's sense, it's like a health issue who he then has taken it to an artistic level. These other people, though, these people are like doing stuff to their face and everything like that and I Just don't know Just having why.
0: people cut them up on the street and yeah, stuff. You, you know, see a lot weird of that. You though
1: because like I've seen the weird piercings where they put the inserts in their forehead like what Caprice did you know so when yeah. she did her thing I was like okay I saw that in like 2002 Caprice this is not like that crazy you know but I don't know I it, it, it brings up that other theme of self mutilation if you want to call it that right Body modification and this idea of like how far are you willing to go to like really believe in your art, right? Like, I'm thinking of people like the reptile man, you know? He's like, put all the scales on me, tattoo them on me, make my eyes reptilian, split my tongue.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) You got to know that that kind of stuff fascinates Cronenberg, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. He's like, I want to comment on this somehow.
1: Exactly. So, I. It's what
0: you do with like techno or future, like sci-fi futurism, right? You take a concept and you run with it. Just see you see where the
1: rabbit hole goes. And see, that's what's frustrating to me is because in almost every other sci-fi or even like technical, like you said, like a technocracy type of futuristic society story, I've been able to kind of see the locus point for a lot of their themes, right? Like Ray Bradbury is like, in Fahrenheit 451, the main character is like losing his mind because his wife just sits in front of this giant wall that plays like these images, basically the television, all day. And she has these little air buds in, like these little pods in her ears, right? And I'm like, okay, I can see how, I can see all of that, all of that tracks. This one, I can't figure out what the issues are that Cronenberg saw in today's world, in reality, and was like... Do you think? I want to build something out of this
0: do you think the movie needed just to contextualize its world a little bit more because it's Absolutely. like we are only in the fringe we yeah. don't know what the what the what it's a fringe of I know. Right? so it's hard to contextualize it
1: it just starts right like it kind you're of just, just in it you're in it the
0: whole time you're in the warehouse the whole time yeah <laughs> yeah there's also one thing I just thought about is like The whole question of what is art that this Mm -hmm. movie deals with, and it deals with things that are specifically like what Cronenberg does, right? Open up the body and do really, quote unquote, horrific things in the name of making art. So there's a whole like meta narrative element there that maybe like there's some sort of personal... Story oh, in here as well, yeah. You're definitely in terms right. of like what quantifies art, yeah. So that's an interesting meta element if you want to go down that rabbit hole in your brain. I keep saying rabbit
1: hole, I can't stop. There are so many, though. I mean, you could literally, like, anyone who watches this movie, you could theoretically find something in there and extrapolate it into something bigger, right? I'm sure. What did
0: you find? Let us know in the comments, exactly, below. right?
1: Like, my extremely watered down and unfortunately not like fitting thematic introduction of like, you know, the transgender thing, I'm sure it could be explored a lot more with, and someone could do a lot more justice than I did. I didn't
0: even think about that. I don't, yeah. I'm it's not, just, I don't feel qualified to comment on yeah.
1: that. Um, it's just like, it's interesting because this movie is very provoking. And it's not just like, oh, it's Cronenberg. You're going to see blood and, you know... It's, it's provocative. Would sugar. you call it challenging?
0: Do you think it's a challenging movie?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm having a, I'm, It's challenging, but it's also at the same time, I am being critical enough of it that I feel like I got it enough. Like when you just asked, does it need more contextualization? For me, and critically, I'm going to try and be objective and say, absolutely, yes, it does. To be a better story, yes. But... The other half of me, the more real weirdos, like you know, auteur, you can do whatever you want type thing, is like, no, I guess you don't need it, you know, if that's if that is the point of the the piece, right? But it's <laughs> it's wickedly, wickedly frustrating for sure.
0: It's a frustrating one, <laughs> no doubt. I, I love, love that it, it exists. I, I'm not. I, I love don't like that regret it exists. Doing
1: it. I've never regretted a movie we've done on this podcast except for The Matrix, and before that, it was making you guys rewatch Funny Games. But it's a movie I will definitely watch again. There are movies that I've liked more off the bat, like Wes Anderson's um, French, the French Dispatch, the French Dispatch. Yes, that I will never watch again. Yeah, I was about to say the French Connection. I
0: said that in the show. I know. <laughs> I, I think like, you did. <laughs> I did. I definitely did.
1: Gene Hackman perks up somewhere.
0: Yeah. Um. So, so what did you think of the filmmaking? Because there were some moments where I had questions. I, I felt like an intern might have directed a couple of the dialogue scenes, mm-hmm. where okay. it's like a flat shot. I, wh- there's one specifically where Vigo walks into the organ office for like the second time to talk to the, the dude doctor mm-hmm. who's doing the internal. Yeah. He's by himself okay. and he tells him he's going to do the internal organ, like, you know, uh, competition. competition, yeah. the internal beauty competition. Yeah. And the dialogue felt so stilted yeah. and like Vigo's voice changed. It wasn't all Geralt of Rivia ish. It was like higher. Yeah. And it just felt super awkward. I was like, "Did nobody give them direction?" <laughs> and there were a couple times where that happened. I wondered if you felt that.
1: You know, I didn't feel that. Um, I would have to. You'd have to like point out some of the scenes for me. I did know the notice the voice change though, and I thought I maybe was going it's because crazy.
0: the movie's kind of flat to begin with.
1: It sounded like a bug flew into his throat like halfway through filming, and they just couldn't get it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, one one thing to note in terms of Cronenberg and, like, this movie kind of having a detached quality is that that is and always has been Cronenberg. Cronenberg is never, like... People always feel distant in his films. Maybe maybe not, like, Eastern Promises. Maybe that's one that gets into the heart of things a little bit more than his others. Mm-hmm. But he's always had a kind of distance to him. Oh, absolutely. It, it it almost feels like clinical or surgical which maybe helps with the kind of movies he's made when it comes to this sort of body horror type stuff it it feeling i don't know if it feels less visceral but it it feels more detached
1: do you understand what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, definitely um it's weird because in like in videodrome and everything i just felt the world so much like this underground society of people who just like watch the media all the time and everything. Right. Like when he's like, Oh, they go into through. that video
0: church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. It, it just was like, it was enough there and it was crafted well enough that my imagination just went. And this one, it almost like put up roadblocks for my imagination. And I like how you said it would take that's left, I like that left turns in, in, in the plot. Right. Cause a left turn implies where you're just like, Oh, okay. We're, we're going to go on something new. We're we're going to finish this eventually, but we're starting something new. Whereas a turn right is more of a turn right back to the, the main plot line or narrative. And this movie yeah. kept turning left. And, and you're like, like
0: what is what is the main plot? What yeah. is the
1: main theme? What is the main plot? So contextually, what did you think? How do you like, I mean, I, I did a little research on it, right? Like about production and things like that. And Okay. Some of the background info that I found might be useful in the way that you see it. But before I do that, sorry, you said, uh, did you have like specific scenes that the the dialogue started to kind of trail off or that you felt like maybe there wasn't as much direction?
0: Oh, like I said, when he goes into the office for the second time and talks to the guy. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It felt so weird. And I can't remember, like a lot of this movie blends together as well. Mm hmm. Um, just because not, not just because of like how muddled the narrative can be, but because it's it's visually very similar in every scene, like we've said, unless it's a guy dancing with ears all over his body. I remember that very. Oh bit yeah, it. yeah, I totally forgot about that <laughs> scene.
1: Um, dude, did you realize that there were no costume changes?
0: None whatsoever.
1: So Vigo is always wearing that that black. I noticed
0: thing. that Christian Stewart. Dressed like a librarian the whole time. Yeah. The
1: other doctor does as well. He's always wearing his <laughs> pleated little khaki pants with his button up yeah. shirt. And Leia Sadu's character is the only one who. Is that how like, you say her name? Leia. Leia. Le- I, I, I just say Leia. It might be Leia, honestly. Leia
0: Sadu. 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 Leia. Goddamn France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway,
1: continue. <coughs> Please. But they're all wearing the same outfit except okay. for her So the mother she wears the same outfit at the very beginning of the movie and then is wearing the same outfit when Vigo Mortensen is like interviewing her and asking her about the thing. The father you think comes, it's
0: because they shot everyone's scenes in like one day
1: that's I mean that's what I'm like that's why I'm going back to this idea that you're saying like it's visually there's aren't there aren't like a lot of deviations oh, gotcha. so I, yeah. I was just like the whole time I was like is this happening all in one day? Or is this like, are people sleeping? And well, he's obviously waking up in his little machine. So, you know, time is passing, but everyone is dressed the same. And I was like, (laughs) this is wild. But the research I found was he wanted to do this movie in 2003 and it was called Painkillers. And it was gonna He was like looking into the world of performance art, which I think you're right on the money would be in a niche area that David Cronenberg probably was very interested in. Yeah, um, makes sense, and it's like he he had Ralph Faines as Saul Tenzer, and then he had Nicolas Cage.
0: Rafe is they pronounce his name Rafe, so when you say it, it's what? Ray Fiennes. Yeah, it's pronounced Rafe. A lot of people don't know that.
1: I had no idea.
0: So when but you, his it's brother not, just got, not got not the normal Ray, name. It's not Ray Fiennes like a nickname. It's Rafe Fiennes. That's just so it becomes Ray Fiennes.
1: You know, Ray Fines. Yeah. Oh, because I you, was confused by this when I heard it. So you don't well. say the L, you say the phonetic F sound for the PH. But because yeah. his last name starts with an F as well, you kind of can just it just like yeah. blends phonetically. Together. So it
0: sounds like Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Ray Fines. Okay. Well, his yeah. brother
1: is Joseph, so much easier, right? You're like, okay, I'm not. Master messing
0: up Shakespeare. That. Yeah. Exactly. The man who was in love in 1997. Great yeah. movie.
1: But Nicholas Cage. Sorry,
0: what what was our point? What are we talking about?
1: Well, I was just saying, like Nicholas Cage was was signed up, and then he dropped oh. out. He
0: oh, dropped that would have been out, great.
1: And it was supposed to have a budget of thirty five million, and it was scheduled for release in two thousand six. But because Nicholas Cage dropped out, Cronenberg kind of gave up on it, and he was like, you know what? I don't know if this will ever happen. And then him and Vigo hit it up, refined the story a little bit. And they were like, okay, we I would like love it. to
0: see this movie made with like a budget and not during a pandemic.
1: Yeah. I mean, and with someone like, okay, And
0: make it like three hours.
1: Vigo is good at playing in movies like this. Vigo is very good at playing like a very stoic and quiet character. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a great actor all around. He's, I've seen him do other stuff as well, but can you imagine the way that the energy of this film would have changed if it was someone like Nicolas Cage? Like, Uh, like, (laughs) yes and no. Like, it would be, I mean, if it was made, this is, like, think about Nicolas Cage 2006, right? Yeah.
0: Like, this is prime national treasure territory.
1: Yeah. I mean, this movie would have been.
0: We're going to hide the constitution in my body, okay? (laughs) Yeah, right? Just
1: like, just close the zipper. (laughs) Just close the zipper. I don't know, man. The zipper um, was actually kind of cool, <laughs> dude.
0: That was that was uh, when she goes down and starts like sucking on it. Uh huh. Oh my god, <laughs> I loved that
1: that that scene because like everything was so sexual. Like it was just dripping with sexual tension and like okay, yeah. Want, but there was that's, no sexual organs involved whatsoever. That, right. That's
0: the thing with this movie as well that I wanted to point <laughs> out is like he's able to achieve like a real erotic energy with things that are not fucking erotic to me at all. I know. Like I'm not into like internal organs, I'm not into cutting. Exactly. But it's like and also props to Kristen Stewart for having a real hot in the pants performance that I believed yes. absolutely. I could feel that performance. And when was she's like than shivering, oh my and god, wanting to like I wanting to fuck Vigo basically and makes out with him. I was like, damn. I felt that erotic
1: energy for sure. Oh, yeah. She was really good, actually. And I was kind of surprised because I thought she was done for, dude.
0: I've seen her, you know what? I've seen her in scattered things, and she's been like not bad.
1: Yeah. She had this like quirky little, these quirky little mannerisms and acting idiosyncrasies from Twilight that she could never lose or shake, it seemed. I and never
0: s- saw Twilight. So. Well,
1: Every single movie that she was in, she would play that kind of mousy kind of play with your hair, scrunch up the face, do, like, these weird things. Yeah, Every she was in, like,
0: Snow White and the Huntsman and stuff like that. Fucking movie. Every but fucking she's But she's played a lot of different stuff. I think she's really trying to break out. So yeah, good so for when I her. saw like this... She, she played, like, like, a badass in Underwater. Dude, uh, I, was,
1: I was like, this is actually fucking cool. Like, this is, like... A cool to see you in a in a role that is totally different and I'm actually interested in your character. So yeah definitely that sexual energy just jumps through the screen when she's on it right? But like that moment between Caprice and Saul when she's going like quote unquote down on him I guess is like yeah. very I mean it mimics fellatio right? The woman getting on her knees and things like that. The man like bearing himself but it was so weird because I was like, what are you tonguing? What are you doing? What is the actual mechanical he process that is like, giving him pleasure? And he
0: says something like, don't spill it. Yes, yes. And you're like, oh, dude. I was like, oh, God, what?
1: I know. That was, I was also like, very yeah, sexual I was, line. Ugh,
0: I was not a happy camper at that moment. <laughs> dude, it's hard to make me squirm in a movie. That was so It's weird. hard.
1: Because it's like, do you tongue the zipper? Do you unzip the zipper with your mouth? Like, what is it that you're doing? That is like, is it just he's getting off on the psychological like process of knowing that he's like letting someone into his body like that? Well, I don't... dude, you
0: you see when they when they do the surgery the first time in terms of uh, like the performance, mm-hmm. you see she's doing it. She's removing his organs, and you see his like he's like fucking getting off on it. Oh, it cuts dude. to his face, and he's like, mm, baby. You get to see Vigo's, like, O oh, face. Kinda. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's, like, uh,
1: stroking his chest, his, like, bare chest. as He's, like, just ejaculating into what, whatever it is.
0: Dude, if we had fans, if we had people that <laughs> listened to this show, I'd be like, somebody make a super cut of just, like, things that happen in this movie that we're talking about just to make it as weird and confusing <laughs> as possible. I mean... Because w- <laughs> like these are these I have to check myself sometimes when I'm saying sentences and being like, Yes, that is a thing that happened in this movie.
1: Right. And I mean I, I guess in this conversation that we're having right now about like the sexual energy that Cronenberg is able to convey without it being sex, that's pretty that's pretty cool. That's like there's a there's a level of talent there or like he knows stuff about the human body, the way it's presented in the art and the media that gets people going. Right. And it, he directly addresses that in this film. So you're right that it has this like meta nature to it. But oh my God, like I just didn't expect, I didn't expect some of the feelings I had during some of the scenes. I was like, this is, this is wild. Even more so than Titan. And Titan was trying to be a sexual movie, right? Like she literally I mean- is fucking cars.
0: It brought me back to being like 19 and watching Videodrome for the first time where I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh man. <I> <laughs> and it's not, it's not, uh, it's not often that a movie is able to do that. Even if it is trafficking in like visuals and sort of like uncomfortable things like the way this movie is. But yeah, it's um, some of the stuff going on there was more uncomfortable than Titan or High Life. Uh, which is also a movie I I greatly recommend. Alex and I covered it. Nobody has seen that movie, but they really should. Robert Pattinson. So uh, if our Twilight connections are strong this episode. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that it would be Cronenberg to elicit that reaction from me again, you know?
1: Oh, for sure. And, like, it's interesting because what I was reading was he hadn't really returned to the, like, he hadn't returned to the uh, the sci-fi Audio. genre since like '99, right? Like this. Yeah, I think the last one is *Existence*. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's interesting cause to me because I'm like, what made you want to do this again? I'm not like questioning him in any way necessarily. It's more of just like a, I want to know what was going on in so <laughs> David Cronenberg's world. Oh, God. Where he was like, I want to bring this movie that he had previously said, I'll probably won't do this, you know?
0: Well, I think there's a combination of factors if I were to guess. And this is all a complete guess. Number one is what kind of movie can I make in a warehouse during a pandemic? Okay. Number two is he's 80 years old now. And he probably wanted to in some way like kind of draw back to and maybe put a bow on the kind of thing which he's known for that he's known for, which is like using the, the body horror type of stuff or the exploration of the human body to act as a metaphor for like more broad social and psychological themes. Mm hmm. Which this movie, as we've said, does not do as successfully as something like Videodrome, but it is sprawling. Like, he's commenting on a whole lot of shit here. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, that's my guess. I think, like, he was he was drawn to that for so many movies for a reason. And after not doing them for so long and, you know, having the limited time that we have on this earth... Maybe he just felt the need to revisit it in some capacity. Yeah,
1: I mean, I will say I get then, you know, the age thing and like the fighting against a body that you feel like is shutting down on you or is like actively trying to kill you. So he's probably feeling some of that or there probably is maybe a little bit of that flavor injected into the movie as well. So it probably would have been a maybe a, a... a more younger of an existential like struggle in 2006 with someone like Nicolas Cage, right? More of a thing where it was like, oh, I've got caught up in this like giant like crazy scientific phenomenon, but I can turn it around somehow and have a future. This one feels much more just like I've figured out what is going on in Bego's character. He's <sighs> like I have accepted my fate and I will make the choice that I make, right? Like, I don't know.
0: Or it could be something as simple as like he just wanted to explore the idea of what if humans could consume our toxic waste? Right? And save the earth that way. And he just like wrote himself into like a really weird, like abstract corner yeah. trying to do that. Because then,
1: then you add like you go from 2006 to 2022. And I mean, smartphones and like handheld public use of technology has skyrocketed, right? There are homeless people where I live who have nicer phones than I do. And yeah. it's just, they're very easy to get now. And they do lots of things. And technology is like very integrated into our society. Just short hey, of being biological, right? Like,
0: Hey, David, Mr. Cronenberg, if you're listening, we know you're listening. If you If you want to come on the show, we'd love to have you. We just, have questions. <laughs> you don't have to answer them. You could also just pick a movie. We could watch The Wizard of Oz and talk about that for an hour if you want. Uh, Can you seriously? imagine? Get Cronenberg on the show? That'd be fucking amazing. First guest. Oh, I'd love it. That make would be my insane. make my life, Cronenberg. Come on. <laughs> I don't want to be too fanboy. I mean, oh, that'd be pretty cool. You know, get David on here on a first name basis.
1: You know what's funny, is that Martin Scorsese was actually nervous and afraid to meet Cronenberg.
0: Oh, I thought you were gonna say he wanted to be on the show.
1: Oh well, he he does. We we we, we haven't we're had an episode off. in a while, folks. But our mailroom is just absolutely <sighs> stacked.
0: Yeah, Scorsese wants to come on. Fincher wants to come on. But you know, we'll see if Cronenberg wants to go first.
1: Yeah, Uwe Boll is still not replied. Uwe is not replied. He's too high around.
0: class. <laughs> um, let's do some awards and then get out of here. Sound let's good? Let's do it. Let's do it. So, <clears throat> blurpity blurp, What is our award for best performance? Hmm. Who do you want to give it to here?
1: You know, I'm gonna give it to Kirsten Stewart. Oh wow! I know. Interesting. I was so. Can you elaborate on that? I was just. I mean, I did a little bit before, but it was really just the comparison of the roles of, of her acting style that I've seen before. She surprised
0: and, you the most. Yeah. yeah,
1: I was just like, okay, I knew that, you know, I always knew that she was capable, right? She's it's not like she's a shit actress. But I didn't want to see her fall into this mold of like, you play the same roles over and over, but you also play them the same way over and over, right? You can't do much about the roles that are offered to you, but you can play them differently. And for a while there, I was like, are you just are you just cashing the checks like is this like I didn't know what was going on because you're young enough to still have a stellar career. Um,
0: didn't she just play Princess Diana?
1: Yeah, she did. Yeah,
0: in a movie that is more critically regarded than it is audience-wise. Ooh, really? Maybe we need to watch that. Yeah, probably so, off, off.
1: I'm hoping. script, but that this will be the first time I've seen it, but I'm hoping that this is like just an indication of the new leaf or the new direction that that she's going in as an actress.
0: Yeah, time will tell. I haven't seen a whole lot of movies that she's in. I definitely have not seen Charlie's Angels. (laughs) I almost said Charlotte's Angels. I have no
1: idea why. Charlotte's Web Angels?
0: Charlotte's Web and the Angels. (laughs) It's a new band.
1: Salutations. Um,
0: da, ba, da, ba. yeah, I'm going to give it to uh Lea Sedu. Yeah. I think it was a little bit less of a showy performance than Kristen Stewart's. Like, she really packed in Stewart, that is, her, I, I don't know, ability into those little scenes that mm-hmm. she was in. But I think Lea Sedu just had a, a layered complexity that maybe it's just because her character was, like, better written than everyone else's, but... I was really a fan of her performance, and I can't recall seeing her in anything else. So, oh, I, I guess she was in uh, the latest couple James Bond movies.
1: Yeah, she's a very interesting actress, I will say that. She She's
0: going to be in Dune Part 2. Oh, she was in The French Dispatch.
1: Yeah, she she was in... She is like a... She's going to be a good actress if she's not already considered one. She She's very, like... She has this very strange mercurial energy about her. Um, it might be the accent in my stupid, silly little American brain, you know? Just like, oh, I hear someone with a French accent. How exotic. Right. But there's something there, in my opinion, in like her her visage. Something that she can do with her face. <laughs> I, I
0: hear you, like, man. My caveman man brain is a little bit like stupefied by her, like, oh, yeah, she's hypnotic, very, pretty very lady. Attractive. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, super great in this movie. Um, everyone was good, though. Everyone was good. Vigo, that that other guy, yeah. what's his name? Uh, uh, Don McKellar as Whippet, the other
1: scientist Whippet, guy. That's his name. He was really good. Yeah,
0: yeah, the um. I think the detective was pretty flat, but man Yeah, they didn't give a meh. lot of,
1: like, roles or screen time to, like, the other main roles. Like, I thought the father's character was pretty flat. But you know the mother? Yeah,
0: but it's like, what do you do? The mother was intriguing. What do you do with some of that dialogue?
1: She did good with her, her small air time. I mean, she she murdered someone, right? She killed someone on screen. But then that interview that she had with Vigo. I was like, you have some, like, bite and energy to your character and your performance that I wanted to know a little bit more about her. And then when we met the father, I thought he was going to be a lot more emotionally complex as well. And he he kind of just seemed like a dad, bro, that goes to, like, Chili's on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. And then
0: you see his son get the uh, splayed out in gruesome detail, like, full body. Yeah. That was uncomfortable, too. I'm like, I'm, like, watching a little child. Yep. Gets played open right now.
1: <laughs> I know this is a violation of like death, right?
0: Ow. Yeah. I mean, this is not a comfortable movie, definitely not. Uh, but moving on with our little awards here. <clears throat> the, so our Phil Hoffman perform uh, blah, blah, blah. our Phil Hoffman Award for best performance goes to a, a couple ladies. Yeah. Um, I drink your milkshake award for most memorable scene. This one's a hard one when it's like a movie you've just seen, right?
1: And when it's Cronenberg, right?
0: And when it's Cronenberg. Do you go
1: for the shock? Do you go for the... You know, for me, it probably was knowing that this was a COVID project and the scene where Kristen Stewart straight up puts her finger in Viggo Mortensen's mouth and then licks it before kissing him. I don't know why... That, like, caught my COVID radar just, like, buzz, 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 like, what's <laughs> happening here? <laughs> like,
0: Out of all the sort of body, like, gross-out elements in this film, that's what you choose.
1: That's what I'm saying, man. That's Because that. you know it's not a prosthetic. Oh, she straight up yeah. put it in his mouth, and you yeah. can see, like, a trail of saliva come off of it.
0: I like to think that Kristen Stewart wasn't acting in this movie. She was just that overtaken with Vico. I mean... Even at age 67 or whatever.
1: Incredibly handsome man. And he's not even, and he's just so cool. Vigo's like the kind of guy. Still looking good. He's like, I don't know. There's a guy that would take you out on a date, I guess, right. That'll like cook you a steak and like potatoes or some shit or your typical movie and dinner date. And I feel like Vigo would be the guy that's like, Oh, we're going to have some lunch, but then I'm going to take you. We're going to go to an archery range or something. Right? Like, I don't know. Vigo just seems. Is that just
0: because you've seen him in Lord of the Rings? Oh, you know it. And Hidalgo. <laughs> Such a
1: good movie. Love that movie.
0: I don't remember Hidalgo at all. I'm surprised I remembered the title. To be honest. <laughs> Vigo's I'm just seems thinking like a very about, cool like, guy. He does actually. He seems like a really genuine artist as well. Doesn't choose like a lot of junk. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Most memorable scene. Fuck, I don't know. I think I have to go I have to tie that in with the most uncomfortable scene, which is uh, it's probably when she unzips his flesh Mm -hmm. and starts tonguing it. (laughs) I'm just like, oh god, that that's not gonna leave my brain anytime soon.
1: Can you imagine the smell? Like fresh. I don't want to, Alex. I don't want to imagine the smell. (laughs) Fuck you. Ugh. You know,
0: Vigo's a handsome guy. I don't care if he's going to take me out yeah. for a nice Reuben sandwich and do some archery. I don't want to smell his internal organs. <laughs> no way. That's uh, a that's a third date yeah, situation, like... my friend. <laughs> um, So I guess a lot of these tie together this time because we have our Willem Dafoe Award for most erotic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, there, that might be a tie, right? There's yeah. the one where they're sitting in the bed together and they're not having sex, but because surgery is the new sex, the bed is just cutting them.
1: Yeah. They're both so getting they're like just, operated on.
0: Yeah. And they look so like angelic and at peace yeah. in their minds. And the, it's just like slicing away Ugh, fucking this. Uh, it's, it's still weird to me. The sentences I'm saying about this movie sometimes, <laughs> That was um, definitely the most erotic scene. So there's that one. I mean, the tonguing. Uh, there's nothing quite as you know personal as tonguing somebody's internal organs. Yeah. But then I think the moment of like pure eroticism that I felt the most was just from Kristen Stewart creaming her panties. I know over Vigo in it that like, scene.
1: was like you could feel like the humidity in the room go up or like the set go up every time <laughs> she came in. Like her hair it was, was kind of greasy. She was kind of like sweaty. She was very shaky and nervous, and I was like, Jesus.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to give it to that. Our Willem Dafoe Award for most erotic scene, I'm going to give to just Kristen Stewart. <laughs> 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 Do you agree?
1: Oh, 100%. Easy.
0: All right. Well, our last one, oh. our frozen banana award for most comedic scene. Does that?
1: <laughs> I don't even know if that applies.
0: No, there's not a lot of levity here, um, um, unless you find like children being like snuffed out with a pillow to be comical. In which case, please go seek help. I
1: guess the funniest scene was when that guy unwittingly just chomped into that chocolate bar and like seized. I don't know, and like that people, wasn't funny. People just watched him like fall down. I know that's what I mean. It's just like. That scene was just weird to me because I was like, what are you doing? Why would you eat that? Like, this this other patron just slammed this chocolate bar onto the the, the bar. Why would you eat yeah. that? Like,
0: Do you think he was fishing there, like, I, wanting so somebody to eat it? That whole it seemed s- like it.
1: I think so. I think he, he, he was eating it himself and then put it down to show, like, hey, it's fine. And then that guy took a bite out of it, and it was just like, yeah, and then he walked away, right? Yeah, that was weird. But.
0: I don't know why he did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think if if anything it was me chuckling at moments when Vigo just sounded like Geralt
1: yeah that's true
0: that's the most comedic element of the film for me where Maybe I was just like, like, like wow he could voice. play the Witcher <laughs> in the next like you know game seriously I guess
1: if they give us like a Witcher for like 20, 40, 30 years down the road however however many years down the road yeah
0: well they got a cdpr has to up their street street cred again after cyberpunk so maybe they'll just do another witcher who knows but now that like that's that's a signal to end when we start talking about video games (laughs) um so yeah crimes of the future man uh really interesting fascinating i dare say mess it has great performances really interesting scenes a million different themes he could point to, but struggles to cohere, both characterologically and narratively, and even thematically. It's just a big ol' honkin' interesting mess.
1: Yep. Bite into it. Feel the Bite flesh. into
0: it. It's a lot of different flavors. Yeah. and Like, for fuck's sake, I mean, just to end on a small rant, like, I know it's... It's to be expected that some garbage like Uncharted is going to have a better user score than this, but that is so fucking sad. <laughs> it's pathetic. Like, yeah, this movie has problems, but it's, it has vision, it has talent, it has a whole load of ideas. And even if they don't cohere, here, it's like at least artistically interesting. It's not just some fucking schlock Stamped out by the studio. It's not a candy bar made out of like industrial waste. Yeah. That's what Uncharted is. It's one of those fucking candy bars in this movie.
1: And right now, you know? everyone's eating it and is totally fine.
0: And this is real food. This is an interesting dish that you haven't had before. Yeah. Go check it out. Don't eat, don't, take a break from
1: McDonald's, you cunts. Unzip the belly and stick the Unzip in. the
0: belly. Don't spill.
1: <laughs> Don't spill it.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Real Weirdos. One and a half white men with English degrees talking about uh, Crimes of the Future. That's the title for way too goddamn long. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.
1: Have a good one.
0: Enjoy your internal organs. <laughs>